I know you were wondering after they lost to Wisconsin. Yeah, I did. That's when I let it creep in. That press conference, he was not, he was not the same. It was not right. There was something not right about it. I did tell you that. I was like, you did tell me that. You did tell me that. And I I was like, look, Roy's an emotional guy. Nah, not like this. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow and... It's probably overdue for me to have had this person on. Um, <laughs> well, it is overdue. There are all kinds of reasons for this that I have like not had him on for this long that I don't need to go into on here. Uh, but Joe Obvious, my panic room partner for WRLSportsFan.com. We do an ACC panic room. It only, whoops, there goes my email again. Every podcast. You'd think I would learn to turn it off by now. Uh, hi, Joe. Hi. I mean, there's there's reasons. I mean, I understand why you don't invite me on the podcast. You talk to me enough. Yeah, I mean, that's not that's not why, but it's whatever. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, just try not to. I tried too much not to like cross pollinate, you know, mm. uh, with my with my job life. Gotcha. My, my real job. Now life. I get it. I get it. You gotta yeah. you gotta keep yeah. you gotta you gotta keep us separate. No, I totally understand. Yeah. You got your um, podcast life, and then you got this other life. You know, I get it. You gotta keep them separate. Sure, sure, exactly. Um, but yeah, and a lot's gone on since I've had a podcast. I got a little bit busy. Um, Why? What happened? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, the Roy Roy Williams deciding to retire the day after both of us, actually, you and I both got our second Moderna shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was an adventure. Yeah, so... <laughs> So for those who might not know, I do a radio show here in oh, Raleigh in bad. North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, Joe Giglio and I do the show in the afternoon on 99.9 The Fan, which you're obviously a part of. And um, we had all gotten the shots at the same time, thanks to your husband, Eric. And we planned on taking a scheduled PTO for the second shot, the day after the second shot, because we didn't know what the side effects were going to be. Not that I was... Not that I was anticipating side effects. It was more out of precaution because the last thing I needed to do with management was, yeah, I'm good to go. I got my second shot. And then at 2.55 in the afternoon, I'm in, you know, deep in the throes of Moderna side effects like I've got the flu. So I was fine. Wake up the night. I had a little bit. Of, I had some chills that night. I don't know about you, but the night of the shot, I ended up getting oh, some really? chills. No, I had nothing. Okay, you had nothing. All right. So I, I ended up having some chills. No big deal. I just, you know, put the comforter up. I'm good to go. Woke up the next day. Like I had taken unaspirin. I know some people say take a Tylenol or whatever. I take an unaspirin and I'm feeling fine like around 10 o'clock. And then that's when the news about Roy Williams on April 1st, his retirement. And once we got past the whole, is this an April Fool's gag? It was this realization around 1030. Oh man, I'm not supposed to do the show today, but I can't not do radio the day Roy Williams retires. So I called up management. I said, hey, look, I feel fine right now. I think I can get us to the press conference at four o'clock. We'll, you know, run the press conference, all that stuff. So I felt fine up until around, I'd say two o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, that I actually was like noon for me. Okay. Where I started to feel like garbage, but then adrenaline kind of kicked in because like we were doing so much Content. Right. Like, no, that's the crazy part. The adrenaline was real because like I, I, I put on my puffy jacket and I turned the thermostat up in the studio oh God, and, I, yeah. and I managed to power through the chills throughout the show. And then we did a panic room that night. And I know you were you I were dealing with some, 
yeah, you hit a wall. You started having chills. We finished the panic room. I uploaded. it. You know, I know you were done. And around 1030, it hit me like a brick wall. It, that's when it finally hit me. And I felt like I had, the, I had to deal with the flu for like a 12-hour span. I slept terribly. I had, you know, I'm, I'm usually, a, I like to sleep cold. Like, so you're not going to see me bundled up. But that night, I had a long shirt, a hoodie, the blanket, the comforter, a fleece blanket, and the weighted blanket. I never broke a sweat that night. Wow. Yeah. I was, I had on like three hoodies. I usually sleep cold and I'm, I'm always cold. So I, I have on like a lot of stuff anyway, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was an, and also like other, a lot of other people at work apparently got the second shot the mm-hmm. day before. So there were a lot of people off. So it was like me and one other editor for like half the day. It was bad. Uh, but yeah, Roy is Roy retired. I was pretty surprised. Um, I think a lot of people were at least a little surprised because mostly because we hadn't heard anything about it, really. It was just speculation. You know, I had a, I received a text from somebody you and I both know. I'm not going to say who it is uh, on the podcast, but I got a text the night of the Duke Carolina game where Roy Williams kissed the floor, right? And yeah. everybody's having this panic and Roy was asked about it. And, you know, he texts me, he's like, he's done. And I said, come on, man, are you really, really, are you really getting caught up in hysteria? He's like, look, just based on people that I talk to, this has more legs to it than you're giving it credit. I'm like, all right, you know, we'll see. To be fair, you weren't entirely wrong because Roy did, Roy was very clear at his like press conference. He was like, no, that was not the reason. It was really not the reason whatsoever. (laughs) Well, it turns out the reason that he is, the, the turns out the reason why he retired is that he went to Augusta National, shot an 88 and an 87 and, and, and could enjoy it. Seemed like he enjoyed it well enough because he remembered how he did on like everything. Yeah, but Lauren, he couldn't enjoy it like he wanted to. He was still worried about the job and, and feeling terrible about the last two years and everything else. So, yeah, yeah. I think you're right in that we were all surprised that it happened, uh, especially considering that. Any of the because I know you were wondering after they lost to Wisconsin. Yeah, I did. That's when I let it creep in. That press conference, he was not, he was not the same. It was not right. There was something not right about it. I did tell you that. I was like, you did tell me that. You did tell me that. And I I was like, look, Roy's an emotional guy. Nah, not like this. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And I was like, and not to be like, Roy doesn't hate any of his teams. Let me be clear. Okay. But there are some teams he is more fond of than others, like all coaches, right? And, you know, a team with a bunch of seniors on it and whatever, you're going to see him be – like, I don't even think he was that emotional after, like, the 2018 team, I think, like, got blown out by Texas A&M. And he loved that team. Yeah. I mean, they had just won a title, but still. <laughs> true, true. So, in, in, in this case, you were more on it. I was still not buying it. Like, I, I, can't, I could not imagine that a pandemic season was the last thing that Roy wanted to be. Right. You know, that, that, that's like the lasting, the lasting thing, right? I think and, that was our oh, biggest thing, too. Like, both of us. We were like, there's no way this would be either yeah. his or Kay's final year. So, a week goes by. It looks like things are kind of going back to normal. We're talking about recruiting. He's meeting with players. So, I, I mean, yeah. I was under the assumption that 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 whole that whole little phase had passed. So, yeah, that's why I think it added to the surprise when he actually announced it. Um, what I'm not surprised by, and I don't think you're in this boat either, what I'm not surprised by is the end result of the coaching search with Hubert Davis. The right. Roy retirement, yes, okay, that was an eye-opener. But once the ball got rolling, 
I mean, it was, I don't know. I mean, to me, it was always a foregone conclusion that it was going to be Hubert Davis because that's what it's always been. There's always been talk about Hubert Davis and how it's been Roy Williams' is kind Doug, of like set up. And here we are. Doug Gottlieb said it, however long ago. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, when Doug Gottlieb said that, it was like literally like me, the year after. You're making Roy me choke over here. Come on now. Let's I'm not, just saying. Let's not, give, let's not give Doug too much credit for this. He has to feel extremely vindicated. No, I mean, he said it like, I think it was like in 2013. And like, that was the year after he'd hired Hubert, I want to say. It was yeah, like it was, right after he hired him, fresh out of ESPN with no coaching experience. It was in 2016. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. all right. So a little, bit of con- a little bit of context with that. So in 2016, you got to remember that, that UNC was not in a good place, right? For a variety of reasons. Um, Duke had just won a national championship in 2015 and everybody was freaking out about one and done and Roy had been passed by in recruiting. Recruiting also had the effect of the NCAA scandal, which had been lingering. We didn't know what was going to happen with UNC. Um, you also had Roy dealing with some health issues. There was a cancer scare, which thankfully was not the case. Uh, he had a couple of vertigo episodes and you just started to wonder, okay, I Maybe maybe he just can't, right? So Doug went on the CBS set for a national game. I think this was in February of 2016. And he went on the CBS set with Seth Davis and the crew. And I think this was, he just kind of said, like, look, I'm hearing, or this is what's going to happen. The problem that Doug had in that situation, why people pushed back on it, was that he said it so definitively. Because you, right. you know how and this business Hubert, works. And, and again, like Hubert had not been on staff that long at that point. No. Like, no. and he had no previous coaching experience. Like literally no. Roy saw something in him, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just was like, I want you to, like, I had for some reason thought Hubert maybe had reached out to him, but apparently it was vice versa, which I found out once they hired Hubert. Um, oh, I remember when Hubert Davis got hired an assistant, it was a little bit of a, an eye opener, you know, pull yeah. him off the ESPN set and, you know, what's going on here. You know, in a, in a weird sort of way, he was viewed, and again, you got to remember the time frame when Hubert Davis was hired. At the same time, Jeff Capel had come back into the Duke fold. Yeah, yeah. And Jeff Capel was credited, and rightfully so, with helping turn around Duke's recruiting. Mm-hmm. And Hubert Davis was kind of like the Roy Williams answer to Jeff Capel, that here's somebody who can go into rooms, connect with players, help with recruiting, right? Um, but so Doug Gottlieb goes on the set and says this definitively. It wasn't a classic TV talking head or radio person like me saying, you know, when you talk to people around the program, the speculation is dot, dot, dot. He was straight up saying, yeah, Roy's going to retire. And he, yeah, it's like, you know, don't be surprised if Roy retires And, and here's the kicker. And when he does, it'll be Hubert Davis. And I remember, I remember talking about that on the radio and I remember being, I remember being, that was a, uh, I think North Carolina was playing Miami that day, yeah. if I remember correctly. And what made it worse was Roy Williams ended the press conference by <laughs> trying to end the speculation. But I think you and I can both agree that when you look back on that in hindsight, yeah. there's a little bit of thou protest much. Like, why are you giving so much oxygen to something that you didn't even hear? So he really went hard in the paint on Doug. And I think now that we look back, and I don't know about you. I mean, that was probably more about the retirement part of it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was, maybe it was. But I just, in, in retrospect, you, you kind of think about 
and I even said this back at the time too, it's like, but not thinking, oh, it must be true. It was more like, why did this bother Roy so much? Why are you giving oxygen to what Doug Gottlieb said? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Although that that is how that's always kind of been Roy, to be honest. Like, mm. you know, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> he doesn't read the media, but he hears it all because Steve oh, Kirchner he certainly does. Or at least, or he has Steve, or he has Steve Kirshner tell him. Yes, like he, like I think he said something along those lines. Like he always, Steve always lets him know what he needs to know. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I don't know. It's still, it's been what, like it's been like fifteen days now, and I still am struck by like the way Roy retired more than anything else. Because like you said, who they hired was not a huge surprise. Nothing that's happened since is a huge surprise, but. Just the way he did it and just it struck me even during his press conference, like because we were all waiting to hear the reason we didn't know. And, you know, I mean, we had our thoughts, but we didn't really know. We thought maybe he'd say he was just tired. He wanted to get, you know, to his the second part of his life, spend more time with Wanda, whatever. And he could have easily mm-hmm. said those things and we all would have just, OK, great. And instead, he was very much like, I'm not good at this anymore. And yeah. that, that is still like an extremely powerful thing for me. And I think a lot of us in some level like suffer from imposter syndrome, you know, in just our daily lives. And this is a dude who like got to 900 wins faster than any coach ever and thinks that he sucks. Look, everybody's wired a little bit differently. Yeah, I, I, I was very I. I was preparing for, oh, this will be emotional. You know, here's sure. this oh, guy yeah. finally calling a career. What I wasn't expecting was to feel bad for Roy Williams. Right. Fair and right. I wouldn't, I didn't feel bad for Roy Williams because people didn't think he was coach. I felt bad because that's how Roy views himself. Yeah, It's yes. like, it's like, come on, man, you've won three national titles. You but can make the argument that you surpassed your mentor. Like you've done more. Oh, he would hate UNC. That. <laughs> uh, no, he would totally hate that. And instead he, he, all he could focus on was the last two years. I hope, you know, I, I hope that when he gets away from this and he spends some time, you know, spending some time on the golf course, um, spending some time at the beach or the mountains or whatever it is, that he will kind of let loose on that tight grip of the last two years and understand, yeah, man, like I, <laughs> I'm pretty damn good, <laughs> and not and not feel so bad about the way that ended. But I give him credit. Some coaches, some coaches don't know when to walk away, yeah. um, and where some coaches know that they're not capable of the pivot. You know, like this is why I give Mike Krzyzewski a lot of credit, no matter what people say. He has the the, the wherewithal, the awareness, the, the self-awareness to know, like, what I'm doing is not working. I need to change it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he looks at it from, and he's talked about this openly, uh, whether it's at the, the business school at Duke or his satellite radio show. He kind of views Duke basketball and himself as a business, right? And yeah good businesses will always kind of see where the market is going and evolve, adapt, pivot to whatever it is to keep surviving. And that's exactly what they did when they switched over to the model you see today. And I guess Roy Williams was not at all interested in doing that. And that's fine. I mean, whatever worked for you, worked for you for a long time. So if it was time for him to get out of the game, so be it. I mean, I think that was part of it, but I also just think like from his perspective, I think he really, because you can look even beyond the last two years, you know, with the way they went out of the tournament in 18 and 19 as well. I think Mm -hmm. he kind of touched on that, but I think like, I think those were moments that made him doubt himself a lot and 
wonder what he was doing wrong. And I mean, when you yeah. have the kind of success he's had, I can understand that on a certain level because that just doesn't happen to his team. But it just, you know, and it, it's actually made me, um, I've had his autobiography for years and I've never read it and I started poking mm. around in it. And you can see this, this element from him his whole life of just like him feeling like he's just an average dude that got lucky and got a lot of chances, even though, and he's had to kind of like work his ass off to, get in the positions he's been in but he just mm -hmm. doesn't think he's anything special and it's 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 wild to me that he would just get up there and say that i still I get but the thing is though uh, you you said imposter syndrome um I, mean, I think you and i both suffer you and i've had these kind con these conversations driving to basketball games and football games um it's it's relatable i mean i know yeah, you very, relate to that very, but like, very relatable. But what you just said about Roy and that, the attitude of, I'm not that good at this, but at least I will grind and the success will come with it. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, oftentimes I find myself in a position, the only reason why I'm doing what I'm doing or I'm still doing is because, you know, I'll just grind at it, right? Like some people don't have the stamina to keep grinding at it. Um, it's not that I'm any better than anybody else. It's just that I'm still plugging away at it. And as long as you're still plugging away at it, well, they'll, they'll keep, they'll keep hiring you. And I'm guessing maybe that's what Roy Williams is doing. It's like, look, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to grind the way I got my thing going on and I'll outlast all these other people. Uh, yeah, this is why Roy probably has um, this idea that he's an overrated coach because where he's done it at Kansas and at Carolina, people look at those two programs like, well, yeah, anybody can do that, which is stupid. <laughs> but I mean, we've already seen it at North Carolina that if you yeah. don't get the right guy, it can get away from you pretty quick. And I guess, and I guess that's where the I don't know maybe maybe the, the the lingering bad aftertaste of the Matt Doherty experiment is why Hubert Davis ended up being the head coach, or why he was always going to be the head coach. Because I mean, we saw it at the press conference for Hubert Davis. It really was like catnip for Carolina people. Oh yeah, he's you know like I'm only going to hire UNC guys. Sure enough, his staff is made up of just nothing but UNC guys. You know, I'm connecting Dean Smith and Roy Williams. You know, it's it's all about the Carolina family. Like these are things that Carolina people love to hear. I've said this before, and I think it's worth repeating. Carolina's not unique. Like everybody's got a family. Everybody's got you know the Duke's got the brotherhood. Like every every university with any sort of success has this uh, this this thought about them, right? But Carolina fans buy into the uniqueness so much that Hubert Davis really makes a lot of sense because he gets it. And if that's what's important to Carolina, good for you. You went out and got the guy that you feel can, 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 can adhere to those values that you hold dear. And it's, it's such a strong presence that, I mean, I don't know if you, you picked up on this, Lauren, at the, at the press conference, when the athletic director, Bubba Cunningham, says – on the Thursday of the Roy Williams retirement, that it's an open coaching search and, you know, head coaching experience matters and it's not necessarily within the family. He says that on Thursday. And then on what was the press conference? Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bubba opens up his portion of the press conference by saying, I've learned more about the Carolina family in the last four days. Think about that. The dude's been the AD for 10 freaking years. You'd yeah. think he'd kind of know, right? But I guess, um, I guess people in the basketball well, fold told him, no, 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 man. I don't think you get what's going on here. No, that's what I'm saying. And I do think it's a little unique in the sense that the players themselves are such an integral part of things. And like, you cannot make 
a viable hire that will alienate all of Carolina's past players without, without being a hundred percent sure it'll work out like that's it, you know? And so I do think it's unique in that sense. Whereas some schools, I don't think their former players would take it as personally if their AD hired whoever they wanted to hire. Whereas at Carolina, I think if he had passed over Hubert and hired somebody else, I think maybe there would have been a little more pushback unless it was a home run, you know? Mm Hmm. I mean, that's from the former players, at least. And that is a school where it's you don't want to alienate your former players. Let's just put it that way. You know, you don't want to you don't want to get your former players mad at you. No, you don't. You do. I mean, I, I mean, I, I get that. But ultimately, what are we talking about here? Uh, who's going to put your program in the best position to win? Which I guess gets to the other aspect of the hire. Anybody that might have wanted to hire Wes Miller, who I know went from UNC Greensboro to, to Cincinnati. Or any other. If only he'd done that like two years ago. <laughs> well, yeah, there there is an element of that at play. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. But like some people might have wanted Wes Miller. Okay, fine. Um, but then if you go outside the family, okay, well, who out there makes sense? Like who out there isn't a risk? Who out there isn't a surefire thing? Chris Holtman at Ohio State. You don't know how that's going to play out. Mark Few is so um, embedded with what they've done at Gonzaga, what's it like for him to step up and have right. to recruit with against other ACC schools on the East Coast? Like that sort of stuff, like playing the game, the expectations of getting big names. These are not surefire things, even no. though we might think Jay Wright's a really good freaking basketball coach who's won multiple national titles. So all these guys were a risk. There was no obvious choice like Roy Williams to come home. So you might as well go with the risk who gets you, you know, and, and that would be Hubert Davis. Yeah. No. And then I guess really the only other thing with Carolina right now is just that um, with, you know, Garrison Brooks transfers to play for his dad at Mississippi State, Dayron Sharp going pro, Walker Kessler transfers to Auburn in spite of Hubert Davis' earnest plea to keep him. Um, Sterling Manley transfers to get more time. Even Wes Miller's half-brother, Walker, a (laughs) (laughs) seven-footer who who, uh, did not play very much, is transferring. Like, so they went from having six bigs and Armando Baycott is testing the waters. Um, so they went from having six bigs to, I think, I think they have one coming in. And they obviously just got Justin McCoy transferred from Virginia. But I don't even know if McCoy, I mean, I know McCoy's six, eight, but he's not exactly playing like a five. Right. No, he's not a five. He is yeah, not a so, five. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, like, they, they, I'm in some... the transfer portal right now. I'm trying to sort five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They oh, have no. some, they have, they, they have, a, they have a roster problem. Um, but at the same time, we are looking at the roster like we would a typical North Carolina roster under Roy Williams. And part of this transition, part of the reason why Roy Williams feels like he can't do it anymore, well, is because, I mean, look, North Carolina was one of like the last holdouts for how they want to play. You know, two bigs, fast break, all that stuff, right? But that's not, that's not modern basketball that's not how college basketball is trending especially when a lot of this is predicated on guys sticking around for three years i mean there's a reason why 2016 and 2017 were not flukes i mean that was classic carolina following the same pattern of 2005 following the same pattern of 2009 these are guys that were developed guys that understood what roy williams wanted guys who roy williams absolutely loved so those teams all follow a little bit of a pattern but clearly it was more difficult to do that given the way college basketball is going with the one-time transfer rules and everything else. So Hubert Davis's task is to bring Carolina basketball up to speed, utilize the transfer market, 
uh, not necessarily play with two bigs. And uh, and that class, I mean, you can't do it with the roster as is, but that maybe wasn't the point for Hubert Davis is to kind of go in a different direction. Yeah. And um, Damon Brakefield doesn't have a home yet. So maybe. Oh, that's right. That's right. See, I, it's funny. <laughs> uh, there was, I, I want to say our friend, Akula Wolf from back in the pack uh, had joked when Garrison Brooks entered the transfer portal, he just said, Hey, look, there's a school down the street that could use a big, just saying. I mean, yeah, and I'm sorting by centers, and yeah, like there, there's not a lot there right now. But here's the other thing about the transfer portal: we're starting to rank the transfer portal like we do recruits, right? Yeah, which is hilarious. But the thing is, the guys who have been producing, like look in the ACC, the guys who have come over as transfers, were they highly touted transfers? Not necessarily. These dudes have been surprises. Um, so I don't. I, I think. We're all figuring this out, and I think we're trying to apply old norms to even things like transfers, fit, playing time, all that stuff. Well, you're playing yeah, it all, all that stuff factors in to where you go to a school, right? So I'm not going to get too caught up in, oh, well, they got the number three transfer in the market. Like, man, who knows if that's going to work out? Yeah, it's just it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, they'll, they may have no choice but to play small ball next year. Is yeah sort of my point because <laughs> I don't know. They're going to look Davis. like a Mike Young, Virginia Tech team. I want Hubert Davis to say we don't have positions. Ooh, I like that. He's he's already shown he's not above trolling Duke a little bit. <laughs> he said well, some Duke, schools have their slogans and whatever. I mean, didn't Duke troll Didn't Duke troll Roy Williams on the retirement day? I still think that was probably an accident. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know that week Duke had been going back and kind of highlighting all of their uh, national championship. And it was the like this day in history, to right? And, and like, like you know, Roy Williams retires on April first, and you know, while this retirement's happening, I guess the scheduled tweet goes out about Duke winning in nineteen ninety one. Who'd they beat in nineteen ninety one? Yeah, Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Kansas with Roy Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, that that's was, fine. It's fine. I think that was just. I mean, it was not intentional. I'm sure because it seems like. It, that's been a wild twist in the last few years too, that like Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams have like legit become very friendly. Like I've seen them without cameras around chatting it up, you know, mm-hmm. just two grandpas, you know, talking about life and they text, you know, like it's, it's pretty wild to me, especially after like the way Roy's tenure started out at Carolina and there seemed to be a little bit more uh, bad feelings between them. And it seems like in the last four or five, six years, they've become very close. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wild. I just never thought we would have gotten there. And I, I maintain my prediction, by the way, that Jim Bayheim will be the last coach to retire of those three. That, that'll be amazing to me. Do you think he retire? Like, okay, this is going to sound really bad. Does he retire before he passes away? I think probably, but maybe not by me. <laughs> Jeez, Lauren, this went to a dark place. I'm just asking. There are some coaches like that that just are like, I don't want to have that life after basketball, that they don't really know what to do with themselves. I, um, I, I think... How much time does Buddy have left? Uh, like a year, maybe. I don't know. He, well, I guess I know. He, I know he's back next year. Yeah, he's. Back I think. Next I think. Year. I think when Buddy's done, he's done. I don't know. Because what else? What What else left do you have to do if you're if you're behind? Well, that's not really the point. Just like with Kay, like I'm gonna wait. Like I'm gonna see what happens with Bronny, with LeBron's kid. Ah, yeah. I'm waiting on the Bronny thing. So like if Bronny does go to college, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I, I mean, if I'm K, I mean that's 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 your last thing, right? With Beheim, I'm thinking more. Yeah, there's I'm thinking a, more. I'm thinking Buddy. 
Kay and Bayheim are similar, though, in the sense that, like, I don't know that either of them have a lot of hobbies, you know? Mm. Like, Roy, Roy no, has, no, 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 no. Majuszewski likes to garden. I know, but, like, that, that can only take up so much time. And he Not does if you that. you ask my wife. Oh, fair. Fair. And he does talk about his garden a lot and, yeah. and hanging out with his dog, Blue. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, man. That's one of those things where it's like, I don't know what he's going to do with himself. Maybe he'll just become like a basketball statesman, you know? Maybe he'll be the one puttering around the camera in a press room like uh, oh, Bucky Waters. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that's Doubt not okay. He would definitely be with us commoners. That's not, no, uh-uh. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, well, we, we touched on the transfer portal a little bit. And I I, I want to get into it because I just, I find myself trying to resist becoming an an old person when it comes to my feelings about this. Like, okay. I, I, because like, to be clear, I don't think it's, I think it's the right thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Like to let yeah. these players transfer, to have the one-year exemption, to not have them have to sit out. I wish they never had to sit out, frankly. But I don't know. I'm just getting to this weird place with college basketball lately in the last couple of years, especially. And, and I'm sure it'll be worse next year where it's just like, hey, but I was getting to know you on that team and now you're somewhere else. You know, yeah, that's like, that's a first world problem. It is. It totally is. But at the same time, I think uh, there's an aspect of college basketball that I think that has been a part of its product for a long yes. time. If and you I'm, wanna... not, I'm not saying it's wrong and I'm not blaming anybody. Like I'm not blaming the players. I think this is yeah. on the NCAA yeah. for the way they've handled this. But at the same time, I just hate it for me because it's like, this doesn't, I don't know. It just feels like, wait, you were just on this. Team. Like, I don't even get to watch Chris likes in his last year. Of- yeah. I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. And I think there's two, I think there's two separate conversations. There is the there there is an um, an unintended side effect of guys being able to freely move from program to program that betters their situation. Okay, they should be able to better their situation. If you're seeking more playing time, which is usually like ninety nine percent of the reason why you end up transferring, if you're seeking more playing time, you should go seek a place that you feel will highlight what you want to do. I mean, you want to play, so go find yourself to play. But yeah, the unintended side effect is that you don't get to grow with the player while they're in college. You see the development of a guy from his freshman to sophomore year. You expect that big jump the junior season. You know they're going to have this huge contribution. And then when they finally get to a senior day, it makes for a much more impactful emotional connection with your school and the guy that you've been watching the last four years. You're right. There is an erosion of what makes college basketball unique to the people who like college basketball, right? So when you strip that away, you end up just rooting for the laundry more than anything else. And that might not be as fun. So you're right. That, that is, that is a problem. However, uh, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Imagine if the NCAA wasn't so slow to enact changes like name, image, and likeness. Imagine if the NCAA actually made it a viable place to be rather than jumping around to get to a spot that can then highlight your stuff and then get to the NBA. Like That, to me, is the bigger conversation. It's not the transfer portal or the one-time transfer rule that's dooming college basketball. 
it's the adults in the room who have been refusing to yes. adapt and allowing the NBA to slowly whittle away what makes college basketball viable in the first place. Yeah, and I think it, it, another impact it's kind of had too is the fact that like you need time sometimes, especially in college, to develop chemistry with your teammates and stuff like that. And I think it's also made a rougher start to the season, even for the really good teams. Sometimes early season college basketball is unwatchable um, because these guys play like they don't know each other. It was especially true this season with kind of the weird off season that they had. But it's just it, it, they're already not the best of the best, right? Like they're not like NBA guys that can just get on a roster with each other and know how to play with each other right away. Like th- these are college players. So, you know, it's just it, it was already an inferior product from a technical standpoint. And I think it's just getting worse with all of this stuff. Yeah, I, I and again, we we agree on the cause, right? Like we agree that that's the cause because like in theory too, if you had name and image and likeness and you had a player that was a good player but maybe not quite ready for the NBA and developed some kind of a relationship with a local company that paid them well for advertisements or whatever you want to call it, they might be more apt to stay at a particular school. Mhm. Or I don't well, know, the other the other thing too, football. we're so focused on name, image, and likeness as what it means for basketball players or for like college football players. What What's funny to me is that you know who actually stands the game the most from name, image, and likeness? Uh, the schools. Olympic sport athletes. Oh, 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 yeah. You know, because we, you know, to kind of circle back to the conversation with Roy Williams and and grinding and hustling and things like that. Like, oftentimes, people coming up have pretty decent social media followings for what you could consider niche sports, but people who are into that niche are going to follow these people. And oftentimes I think I've seen a couple studies where it's actually women's college basketball players have higher social media followings than their male counterparts. And it's, this kind of ties back to the NCAA fumbling the bag as it relates to the women's tournament and, and the inequity there where it's it's shocking to me. It's like, you know, women can make money too, right? Like yeah. I've read a Wall Street Journal article uh, where essentially, and, and some of this is the fault of those who were in charge of women's college basketball too. I think, I couldn't believe I, 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 I think this was in a Nicole Auerbach piece on The Athletic. I couldn't believe that I was agreeing with Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, where he's on his <laughs> way out, where he's like, look, I used to, when I was in charge of the, of the tennis tour, Pairing the men's and women's tournaments together as equals ended up being a boom for everybody. And apparently there are some politics behind the scenes where even those with women's college basketball want to keep it separate from the men's, which makes no sense to me, because why wouldn't you just put everything under the March Madness umbrella, make it this big celebration of college hoops on the men's and women's side? These sponsors want to want the visibility everywhere. And I know you saw the ratings for the women's championship. They were really freaking good. It's yeah. actually one of the it's actually one of the college sports that sees ratings gains, whereas college basketball for men's has actually seen a decline. So it just it's bad business for you not to include the stuff with the women's game, and they actually stand the most to win on uh, name, image, and likeness. Yeah, and and the women's game too. Like it's it's a little bit of a chicken or egg argument, but I I maintain that like you can't expect a sport to grow the way you want it to grow if you don't push it and don't advertise it and don't promote it. You know, you people made fun of ESPN back in the day for as hard as they pushed like the WNBA, but they did. You know, they were really trying to make it happen and make it a thing. And the NCAA is just kind of sat on its hands when it comes to promoting the women's tournament in a better way and the women's game. And it's like, no, you have something here. Like if you're worried about where men's college basketball is headed, well, 
guess what? All those people that care about people staying four years and knowing their names and all that stuff and not as many transfers. Well, hello, we have a product for you. You know, the women's mm-hmm. game doesn't have nearly as much as that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just I, and it's like you can't expect. I know they promote March Madness because it's their big thing and whatever. But I feel like that happens in all companies and not just necessarily the NCAA. And I know they're nonprofit or whatever. I'm rolling my eyes at that. But like, oh, I, I can hear you rolling your eyes, <laughs> you know, but there are you see this, I think, across the board where like whatever the top product is for a given company, it's like they'll go out of their way to promote that and push that and do everything they can to like make that their big thing. And it's like something that has a potential to grow if you only pushed it more. They just refuse to do it. And it's it's mind boggling to me. It's, I don't get it. Um but yeah, I mean, I think women's college basketball for sure. I know I watched way more of the women's tournament than I have in years past. And that's not because I don't like women's basketball. It's just because I don't have, I haven't had the bandwidth, to be honest. For oh, I'll tell you this. I, I was, uh, as much as I felt that the men's college basketball season was a slog covering it remotely. Yeah. I found the NC State women vastly more entertaining than the men this year. Yeah, it was great. And I'm not even talking. I'm not even talking about the fact that they, you know, they they won and they went to the NCAA. I'm talking about like their games, the games that I watched were vastly more entertaining than anything I saw from the men's side of things. So good for them. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, I mean, I don't know where they go from here. I feel like college basketball men on the men's side is is it, it might be a little too little too late here. It's a niche. I mean, yeah, it's 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 basically put itself in a niche sport position, and, and the pandemic did not help. No, and 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 I just think they they've waited too long. Which stinks too, because you know, I guess we can kind of wrap on 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 this thought where, you know, you you grew up here, right? So college basketball has always been a thing around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In North Car in North in North Carolina, right? Yes. And as long as I've been doing this, you know, I started working in sports radio my senior year at NC State in 2000, fall of 2000. Uh, I started working during that football season. And I remember in the in the early parts of 2000, you know, once once he got to January, it was nothing but college basketball talk. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody yeah. had everybody had an opinion. Every, you could you could fill up the phone lines with state talk, Carolina talk, people batching Duke, all that stuff. People were highly invested in what was going on. And, and, and not just triangle hoops, too. Like people gave a damn about like what Maryland was doing. Right. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. So that was 20 plus years ago. But in the 20 years that I've been doing this. Every year, as the demographics of North Carolina change, as a lot of people come down here, and then through college basketball shooting itself in the foot with all of their mistakes of not adapting, I mean, and you can you can back me up on this. Once January hits, we're not talking about college basketball for most of the show. We're still talking about the remnants of college football stuff. We're in deep in the NFL, right? Because of, of transplants, there's a lot of people who want to talk about NFL stuff, and then. This has happened to me on occasion where you get to the Duke Carolina, the first meeting of the Duke Carolina game and you go, damn, where did the college basketball season go? You know, like you're, you almost feel like you're playing catch up. You haven't really gotten to know these teams and then it's over before you even know it. I think it's, it's odd to me that in this area, it's become more like it is nationally than it has ever before. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And then, you know, it's it's harder too to even analyze teams. It, this year was such a challenge, you know. Oh yeah. It's, it's like 
we're used to things working out a certain way. And I think that, you know, it does bring us full circle back to like Roy retiring too, was like, we're used to Roy's teams following a certain arc. We're used to Duke coach K's teams following a certain arc and it's pretty reliable. Um, the only one who's not as reliable as NC state, although they're reliable in their own way, I guess, you know, in that they're going to be on the bubble all the time. Um, and you know, Syracuse is like the only ACC team uh, that I feel like followed its arc, you know, in, in a way that we would expect it to this season. And I think some of that is a product of maybe the pandemic season, but also just like the changing nature of college basketball, that it's, you can't even expect like the coaches who are established and their teams usually follow a certain pattern to do that now. I don't know. I don't love it, but it is what it is. We'll make do. Well, this was uh, our extended ACC. We've probably done panic rooms. No, not close to this link. This is a long. Time. Um, no, 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 no. We've never, we've never gone this long in a panic room. I think the longest we've ever gone in a panic room is probably about like twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. It was probably it was probably in the pandemic because we had nothing else to do. <laughs> yes, and we were doing it remotely, which somehow made it easier to go on. Yeah, well, that's well, that's the thing. Like when we've done panic rooms in the olden times when we could go to things. Um, I think the reason why the panic rooms were turned around quick is because uh, the people at PNC Arena, Cameron Indoor, and the Smith Center have no time for us lingering around to film these things. Oh, yeah, yeah. We would all the time have them breaking down. You know. Yeah, they're breaking down stuff in the background, and they don't give a crap what we're doing. So we, we're usually trying to be as efficient as possible to get that thing turned around and make sure that we're not upsetting the people who are trying to set up for the next thing. Yeah, a lot of I, – I, God, I had forgotten about that, how many suspicious glances we would get. Oh, yeah. You'd think by now, after all the times we've been doing this freaking thing, that people would go, oh, yeah, there's brown line. I mean, the, in that the people who work at the arena are not there for, like – they don't know who we are. Some of them might. But, but you think by now, they're like, oh, there's that group. And there's those, those two people again doing that thing. Yeah. And increasingly more and more people are like doing those types of videos. Yes. You know? yes. So it's like, that's become, thankfully, we're not alone there. It's not just us and people trying to do it. No, no one's even doing a live shot then, really. Yeah. It's nobody really does live shots anymore. Yeah. No, no, nobody's doing a live shot anymore unless it's like the ACC tournament or something like that or like a Duke Carolina game. But yeah, there are there are a uh, there is a, a smattering of people with their various uh, digital equipment set up. Not not as guerrilla marketing as us with my GoPro and the phone as a microphone, but you know, there's I mean, there's some pretty nice setups that I've seen from people. Ring lights, all that stuff. Yeah, I got it. There's I one. I know there's one former room. AD who yeah. told you that I have to light you better. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not your fault. I, I don't know how to light myself. Even. <laughs> as you know, as you know, I'm very bad at video. I'm trying. I try. Well, not... that's part of the aesthetic. <laughs> right. It's it's never, it was never it was never meant to be. It was, it was well, funny sucks about it. video is part of our thing. Well, here's here's what's funny about that. because We started doing the ACC panic room in the uh, at the ACC tournament in D.C. That was what, 2014? I think so. Uh, I, think wait, was... I, I was pregnant. So it might have been 15. Okay, so 2015. Yeah. And um, at the time, I remember having to explain this to our TV people, right? Like, this is not meant to look good. Right, because they'd the, be like, the only, oh, your lighting sucks. Like, like nope, nope, does not matter. This is supposed to be quick, dirty turnaround video that we could then put on social media. The only thing, the only thing I ever cared about was, does the audio sound good? Like, can you hear what we're saying? 
And as long as the audio is good, I don't care what we look like. Yeah, because the initial, uh, initial bunker we did it in, it was not going like we could have had the best lighting in the world. And it would. Oh, it was terrible. Been. Yeah, it was terrible. We were we were tucked away in an auxiliary an equipment room. room in the Verizon Center, right? Yeah, that's the which that's is why which is why I called it the panic room in the first place. Like shout out to Men and Blazers, but the reason why I called it the panic room is because it literally looked like we were in one. It looks like the type of place where like uh, plainclothes federal officers would take you and not let you ask for a lawyer. Like, yes, it's not yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty sure I've seen that room uh, in a Marvel movie when they're uh, when they're when they're kind of keeping a bad guy away. What, what is that? What, who would do that? Hydra? I don't know. I'm not good at Marvel yet. I don't know. Oh, boy. I, what is it? Hydra no, no, like it's fine. Is that? Yeah. That's, yeah. Those stand ins for Nazis. Right. OK. See. OK. I wasn't wrong. They you might take wrong. you to a you room. And, good for you. OK. Anyway. Well, before we go on a Marvel tangent, which I'm sure Caroline Darney would be mad we didn't have her on for. Oh, uh, boy. If she made it this far, yeah, she'd be totally upset. She she will make it this far. I okay. Think. Shout um, out to Darney. Shout, yes, shout out to Darney, who I will be visiting with soon. She just got her second shot uh, either today or yesterday. I'm not sure which, but uh, nice. I'll check in with her. All right. Well, until next week, everybody. Uh, tell. Oh, wait. Tell everybody where they can find you. I mean, wherever they find you. Oh my God! Fine, you're yeah at Joe Ovius on Twitter. <laughs> make see, this is yeah. just this feeds into that thing where like when people see us at events by ourselves, they'll be like, "Where's the other person?" Yeah, where's Bravo? <laughs> Jeez. All right. <laughs> And you have a show on 99.9 The Fan in the afternoon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. I'm just I'll play, Fine. Come I'll on. play along. I will play along. Yes. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Joe Ovies, O-V-I-E-S. Uh, we're at WRLSportsFan.com where you can stream the show and watch the ACC Panic Room. And yes, uh, you can stream the radio show on 99.9 The Fan. I do that show with Joe Giulio, uh, who I have converted from radio hack or from newspaper hack to radio hack in a year's time. Yes, we had a fun um, one-year celebration. We did. We did. It was a lot of fun. And by fun, I mean I felt like garbage the next day, but that's fine. (laughs) Well, when you... It's worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. (laughs) All right, everybody. Until next week.